Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez recently recently said this about uh, energy in Puerto Rico. She stated during a hearing of the House Natural Resources Committee that it would be possible to close AES, Puerto Rico's coal plant in Guyana, immediately, and I quote, while keeping the lights on and preventing price increases on the island, largely relying on testimony from a lawyer and trustee from Renewable Energy Group Earth Justice named Ruth Santiago to justify her claims. So why the issue? Well, only 2.5% of Puerto Rico's power presently comes from renewable energy sources. If you were to turn off the power supply for Puerto Rico from fossil fuels, it would immediately turn that island nation into a, well, territory, so let me correct myself, into a third world country. Energy expert and founder and president of the Center for Industrial Progress, Alex Epstein, joins me now. Alex, you can try to educate, but you're up against an ideology, my friend. What say you? (laughs) Yeah, so you give a very accurate summary of what happened. So I was also testifying at that hearing. I, I think I made a statement, an opening statement that made it very clear that this kind of policy she was advocating would be terrible. She didn't uh, respond to me directly. I responded to her at the hearing. And then afterward, I looked at every claim she had made and every source she had cited. And it was shocking even to me how wrong it was. The main thing she cited was a report by the company Siemens. And she said, oh, yeah, it says they can shut down the coal plant tomorrow. And I thought that's weird because it's 20 percent of Puerto Rico's electricity. And it turns out the report didn't even consider shutting down the plant until 2027. And Siemens made a public statement saying explicitly, this will, no matter what, increase your electricity prices in Puerto Rico if you do this. So I just very politely pointed out to her, and it got quite a bit of attention, hey, you were totally incorrect about this. Obviously, you have to retract. uh, But unfortunately, there's been no retraction so far. The battle here, as I see it, is between ideology and reality. Uh, regardless of what the percentage are, percentages are clear. Two and a half percent produced by renewable energy. Removing power doesn't solve the problem. It doesn't address the various issues, including single source providers, for the most part, provider singular for the most part in Puerto Rico. So their problems are infrastructure based. Before you even get to the issue of the type of power generation. Uh, you're the expert here on energy. What does Puerto Rico need to do? I mean, I think the first thing is to just recognize that Puerto Rico is very underpowered. The whole premise of this hearing was, oh, there might be a problem with this coal plant, so let's shut it down. But we should think of it as, you know, Puerto Rico is very poor, you know, compared to the rest, compared to the states. It has incredibly unreliable electricity. And so the main thing they need to do is have policy reforms that enable them to build more and more reliable power plants. So that can include coal plants, it can include natural gas plants, it can include uh, nuclear plants, but they basically need way more development. And then that requires a lot of political reforms because as I think you're indicating there's a lot of corruption, a lot of problems there. And that's, that's why in my, my testimony, I offered to go on a fact-finding mission with anyone who wanted to accompany me so that I could bring my expertise, but also we could go and talk to the specific entities and see what kinds of problems there were that needed to be solved. But but fortunately, we have a blueprint because many places around the world produce low-cost, reliable electricity. 
you know, even if they're somewhat uh, distant. So it's, it's definitely a doable thing. It's just a matter of wanting to do that versus just what I think was happening at this hearing, which was just uh, using Puerto Rico as a kind of political football. How realistic is it, however? And I want to bring that home to, you know, the mainland, if you will, in a moment. But how realistic, Alex, is it that something will be done in Puerto Rico, given this administration, not just AOC, but the Biden administration and the approvals that would be necessary to build a new plant, whether it be coal or some other form uh, of hybrid plant or even a nuclear power plant? And I think you raise a good point. I mean, it's very difficult to build anything um, under this administration. It's even difficult to build solar and wind, which I think are mostly just a waste uh, to try to build, because there's this whole there's this whole anti-development movement that is really an anti-energy movement. You can't have energy without development. And so what you're seeing is we have opposition to fossil fuels. We have opposition to nuclear. We have opposition to hydro. And we even have opposition to building solar and wind, which even if you built them, wouldn't be able to replace the others. So it's really this anti-development movement. And I think there needs to be a lot more moral challenging of that. And that's part of what I do in my work is challenging the morality of this whole anti-development green movement and saying, no, we should be in favor of development as long as it's responsible, intelligent. And and because development is crucial to what I call human flourishing, human beings living long, uh, healthy, opportunity-filled lives. And I think if, if there's a if, if these guys get some moral resistance, it could change the game. But right now they have the moral high ground. So every time you're anti-development, you're considered a good person. And I want it to be if you're if you're anti-development, you're considered a bad person. My guest, Alex Epstein, and the issue here at hand is power. He's the president and founder of the Center for Industrial Progress, energytalkingpoints.com, one website, industrialprogress.com, the other. So, Alex, let's bring it home to the mainland. And on this one, I reached out to a friend uh, when I saw you were coming on the show. Um, Part of my family has a background in nuclear power to close relatives who helped basically develop and run Niagara Power in one case, another one at Scana Corporation, Nuclear Power Holding Core, and then a friend whose job is to decommission nuclear power plants, whether it's Yankee or others, he's been there for a lot of these recent decommissionings, and that's a years-long process. New York City is facing a crisis. New York State as a result, will face a crisis to some degree. What's going on there is, you know, you look at the the hot days of summer, the high demand for electricity. Yeah, if you look at what's happening there, it would seem to be a total contradiction because people say, oh, our biggest concern is CO2 emissions. We think that's, you know, a crisis, a catastrophe, which, by the way, I think CO2 emissions impact climate, but it's not at all a, a, a catastrophe. We're so adaptable. We can deal with basically any climate. But if you look at what's happening there, if they are concerned with that, why are they shutting down the best source of low-carbon energy, which is nuclear power? Nuclear power is unique in that it can produce low-cost, reliable electricity anywhere around the world. Hydro can't do that because it's limited by location and solar and wind can't do that at all. They need to be parasites on reliable power plants. So why did you shut down this Vermont Yankee nuclear power plant in New York? And, you know, I, I in advance, along with many other people warned that, Hey, this is going to be a disaster. It's going to make electricity more expensive, less reliable. And by the way, more what they would call 
uh, carbon intensive. And so what it, what it really points to is that the whole green movement is really an anti-development and anti-human movement. It's not about CO2 because why are they opposed to nuclear? Why are they opposed to hydro? Why do they shut down development of solar and wind? Because they're against, against development and that means they're against uh, life. And, and I, um, thanks for mentioning my website. I tweet a lot at, at Alex Epstein. And what you'll see a lot is I'm just always pointing out that this is an anti-development, anti-human movement. My background is philosophy. And what got me interested in energy is that the movement that's guiding our energy thinking and energy policy is an anti-human movement. And I'm trying to bring a pro-human approach, which I call the human flourishing approach. All right, let's talk about a real world problem that's approaching in New York State and probably even more focused in the five boroughs, especially on Manhattan. As we come out of COVID, as businesses spin up, as space begins to be used again, there will be increased demands, not just during the hot days, but well into the fall. Companies are targeting September as, you know, kind of the opening period. And when that happens, what happens with the demand for more power? So I'm I'm talking to you from California, so I'm very familiar with this. I spend a good deal of time in Texas, and we're seeing this problem in Texas and really around the country. We're seeing this thing where, for some reason, it's become really, really hard to produce enough power when you need it. And the question is, why is this? Because this should strike us as unnecessary and embarrassing. We've known, the world has known how to produce low-cost, reliable power for basically any situation uh, for generations We have places that are way hotter that don't have much of a problem doing it, like Dubai. And so what's going on? And and it's very simple. We have just stopped building sufficient, reliable power plants because we've had this obsession with replacing them with solar and wind. Now, you can't replace them with solar and wind uh, because solar and wind need constant backup from reliable power plants. But what happens is the more you try to use solar and wind, the more your costs go up. And then the more you try to cut costs by shutting down the reliable power plants. That's what's happened where I live in California. That's what's happened in Texas. And so my view is we need to totally just change orientation. We need to stop pushing what I call these unreliables, solar and wind, and push reliables. Unfortunately, it's really scary right now because at a national level, the Democrats are unfortunately pushing what they call a clean energy standard, which is better called something like, you know, uh, crackpot energy scheme. And they're saying that basically calls for at least 55% solar and wind electricity. Right now, the U.S. is at 10% and it's already a disaster. So they're quintupling down on a disaster. And unfortunately, there's very little resistance so far from Republicans. So that's one of my top priorities right now is, is, is educating the public about how disastrous this is and how it's the exact opposite of what we need to be doing. Alex Epstein, president and founder of the Center for Industrial Progress. You know, Alex, my next interview is with John Elliott about how to hold China accountable. There's even a tie to energy here because we now know, we knew then, but the Biden administration and DOJ even admitting that 10 years ago, China was targeting our energy infrastructure. If we run into a situation of not enough power, underpowered areas of this country, increased demand as we reopen, and we have a targeting of our energy and power systems, we're going to see a great deal of societal disruption. And maybe I'm speaking more to the philosopher, Alex Epstein, but uh, just food for thought there, my friend. Yeah, you know, they are, and, and I agree with that, and, and even absent like a specific kind of attack, their whole strategy is 
they use 85% fossil fuels to produce this unreliable green energy that they sell to us and they dominate the supply chain. They're very willing and eager to control the supply chain of things and then to use that as a political threat. So it's really, I just feel like we're in one of those times in history where somebody who's not moral has a clear strategy and we're just being useful idiots. Because again, 85% fossil fuels to make all this unreliable green energy to control the supply chain and make us dependent on them. They want to be the world's superpower by 2049. We're just screwing around here, building unreliable energy and getting in these ridiculous infights. It really needs to change. All right. Thank you. And we'll keep following this. Great work as always. Alex Epstein, president and founder of the Center for Industrial Progress. Thanks for the great Uh, questions. Progress. Thank you, Alex. Thanks for the good work and uh, for being realistic with, uh, with our friend AOC down there.